0: Welcome to Alchemy Answers episode 67, where we can talk about all sorts of fun things that our audience and our patrons have asked us about. In this episode, we'll probably be covering stuff like how to compare heroes, how to maintain a game-winning attitude, and so many other amazing MMR-winning questions. If you out there in the listening sphere want to ask us questions directly every single week... Just check out patreon.com slash Dota Alchemy. The Dude, best can... community of Dota 2 fanatics who want to learn, encourage each other, be positive, and absolutely destroy the MMR system. Dude, this is what
1: happens <laughs> when you win three games in a row. It's like You're the one that I can't take because <laughs> I lost two and you won three. And we've just totally switched places. Last week, you were, like, sick and, like, depressed and tired. and that. <laughs> Oh, God. Dota has so much control over our lives. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, anyway, everybody out there in the listening sphere, uh, we're going to get into the first question. Uh, the first question comes from Party. He says, re-watching one of your streams, I heard about your idea of your series of the road from 6K to 7K. Just hypothetically... If I were to try to make one of these high quality videos once a month from 6 to 7K and send it to you if you think it's good would there be a chance of you uploading it on your channel. I am going to be honest with you here. We've we've actually had a couple of requests recently to upload other people's stuff on on our channel. I'm I I don't I'm not a huge fan of that idea. Just like the idea of it for for some reason. Like I feel like you very easily could make your own channel as like a six to seven K player. If you're making a high quality video, number one, you could just do it yourself and you'll eventually get viewers. If you're, if you're consistent, you'll get, you'll get views. And if it's, if it's quality, if you're consistent, the quality will come. And number two, if you put on our channel, we'd, you know, we'd take a piece of your, of your pie, which, which like isn't either, it's like not actually high quality potentially uh, which a lot of the time for somebody's first video probably you know probably wouldn't be. let's be real. You can look back in our videos and like a lot of them suck uh or it's good, and then we're just taking we're just eating your pie, and it's like that makes me uncomfortable the the like I, in either situation, I feel like there's something not right about it. You know what I mean,
0: yeah, I it's think just... in an ideal world, I would like dota alchemy to be in an umbrella sort of for people up and coming content creators educators to um I would you know, I get would their say start that... but I I don't think that that's where we are now and I I certainly would prefer to solidify us before starting to promote other people.
1: I think like collabs and stuff like that. Like you know, if you want to if if you have ideas and you want to go over a replay or we want to do some stuff together, absolutely. I would love to do that. That would be really sick. Definitely. Uh, but something about just the idea of somebody else making a piece of content and just posting it on our channel—it almost feels like using. You know what I mean? It's like we're we're just we're just getting free content because we have the eighty thousand subscribers or whatever, which is really weird in this day and age on YouTube because eighty thousand subscribers doesn't actually mean eighty thousand people watch your video. It's just it it it's just a number. You know, it's like your video. It's a it's YouTube's in a really weird place. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean with the, with the umbrella thing, but I would like to, even if we were like an umbrella for, for other people making content, I would like to contribute to some way in, in, with, with their content. You know what I mean? Like we've had like new sham on and we've had, we've had like Henry and BSJ and stuff. And it's like, if we can do something together, then that's, that's like, that's, that's better. Otherwise it could just be, it could just be separate.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, i agree 100 percent.
1: not that there's like a rigorous definition of anything that's just like my my thought process on it and like what a youtube channel is to me but like i said it's there's a lot of ways of doing it good question though interesting question uh snowy says i thought it was about time to become a patreon considering i watch all of your videos thank you for the support snowy uh i especially love alchemy answers and have a few questions of my own i'm going to move this over to this screen because there's a lot of a lot of text. I'm usually Shadow Demon and Elder, uh, Elder Titan support spammer and Crusader bracket on Australia. Uh, I usually have to, I usually have a project hero I am working on too. Hey, we were just talking about that. Uh, these are heroes that are usually out of my comfort level and ability level. I like I'm this approach already. My- yeah, this is this is very good. We we already talked about this. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of this as well. Uh, currently, I've been playing Visage in the five and four role, not because I think it's good, but because I think the hero skill set is interesting. I find that he has good trading as a lane support with his Q and E. My question is, how do I play this hero in the mid game and in team fights? I often get overwhelmed in fights and preoccupied with sending my birds over to the back line. Range heroes like Drought to stun them while sitting in trees using my other skills. Any advice would be much appreciated uh well i can tell you how to play visage generally um but the uh, the kind of optimal way to play visage does require that you have at least a decent amount of farm mm-hmm. and and um that's that's a big reason why people don't really play it as like a position five and if they play it as a position four it's somebody like owie playing it and it's very greedy and you're you're building items like you basically want to get a medallion um you know get items that make you tanky. get yeah get aura items run at towers five man and in fights you just like you said you just send your birds at a hero that is that is squishy a hero that you can like zone and solo kill so crystal maidens lich uh liches disruptors pudge because he has low armor drowse like you said and i would say you don't want to try to use the birds to really stun most of the time you're just using the birds to kill that's that's the the big thing in the in the fights and uh your job is to go in and create chaos and basically have people press spells on you and because that's the case you need to have items Uh, otherwise I would say you can, like, play the perimeter of the fights, try to stay around your birds so they get the aura and then still go for, like, the back lines. That is almost always the play. And, um, I mean, I suppose... Usually when it comes to, like, the bird stuns, it's, it's, like, if the enemy team is running away or they have some sort of mobility ability, people will use the stuns. Or if there's, like, three heroes grouped up, they'll use them. But since the birds don't lose damage anymore, really all you need to do is just keep the birds active until they get, like, low HP.
0: Yeah, I've got a even more simple explanation for you don't ever take a five on five with that hero because you don't have to you can always have threat on somebody's buildings and make the other team split up and then it's very easy for your team to win fights I think that that hero is one of the worst team fighters in the game just by nature of its skills it has like really nothing other than snowballing abilities right like it's it's essentially a hero who wants to chase and like blow people up and then just yeah. like find the next one and find the next one and find the next one and so if you're trying to fight as if you were like a lich or or you know one of these heroes that wants to be in the middle of these fights and casting several rounds of spells that's not visage visage is a hero that just kind of wants to create pressure elsewhere on the map and then if somebody shows up you kill them if they don't bring enough people and if they do bring a whole bunch of people then you just kind of slam your birds on the ground and run away and try again somewhere else.
1: I think Visage is is one of the most garbage heroes in Dota right now. Maybe I'm maybe I just I just haven't seen it. But if 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 I had to rank like the bottom heroes in Dota, I would be like Pudge, Visage. I can't even think of like any other really garbage heroes. Let's look at Dota
0: buff real quick.
1: Some heroes, some heroes have like a, an okay niche. Pudge and Visage are definitely very bad. Alright, current win rate. Uh, Uh, Medusa was really bad, but they've been buffing the
0: shit out of her, so... LeShrak actually has the lowest win rate currently in all all games. This is all levels, not just high levels.
1: Wow, that's surprising. Luna? Yeah, I think Luna's pretty bad. Uh, The thing with Luna, though, is that I still believe that there's a magic damage build on Luna that's... Me too. ...that's good but when my you know what i'm saying that the best build on a hero is some really niche weird build that probably means that it's pretty it's pretty like the current way of playing it is is pretty bad like the hero overall is is probably pretty bad But i do think that like four lunas you know not not that bad
0: you want to know what the lowest win rate hero in divine and immortal pubs is right now and this is a hero that Wait, wait, wait. Wasn't me, it really like, changed that much in the patch? Let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Uh,
1: okay, let's see. Lowest win rate. So it's not the lowest, it's not the most win rate decrease, right? It's the absolute lowest the win absolute rate absolute lowest, period. Okay. Uh, let's see.
0: And here's a little hint for It's the lowest win rate across all all brackets currently from what did i did you say down. that was the um that was all games this is let me see where the is here but i'm i'm looking at all these other win rates i'm not seeing let's see oh wait never mind uh okay so the is actually 48 percent in divine and immortal pubs and 39 percent in like herald archon guardian wow. and that kind of stuff so crusader jesus so they're really bringing down the average there but uh the lowest consistent hero and ancient apparition certainly the lowest in divine and the world no very I... very popular hero that professional players play nearly every tournament
1: nearly every tournament uh...
0: gyrocopter
1: Oh, okay. Huh.
0: That's weird. Yeah. I can't remember a single really huge nerf on this hero either. But
1: he is pretty bad. He is definitely pretty bad. It's the thing with Dota right now is that I feel like there are a lot of good, viable heroes Mm -hmm. that you can call bad or good for one reason or another. Like you bring up Luna, and I do agree that the general Luna, like Mask of Madness, like right click build is garbage. But I can't call the hero garbage tier because I believe that a magic damage Luna build is. There's some magic damage Luna build out there, variation on it that's like really good at each timing. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think that's I think that's good. I think that like Lion and Ogre are garbage noob heroes that people who want to have zero impact to win the game, uh, win the game anyway will play. But I still think Ogre. If you have like PPD playing Ogre or something, he's gonna utilize it. If you have eye playing lion like it's going to look really good or if it's against like a morphling it's it's you know always going to be a pretty good hero however i do have to say i would almost never want a pudge in my game (laughs) like that hero is just for fun at this point yeah (laughs) that hero is a purely fun hero pudge is garbage and then that other hero that we were talking about which i forget visage i think visage is pretty is pretty bad (laughs) it's like visage is like the worst last pick hero Sure, sure invoker's decent invoker's decent it's just that people play invoker that think they can play invoker and they can't and they feed and then they're like my team was sh- my team was shit right jenkins are you a ladies man uh yeah i hung out with basically exclusively girls in high school i'm a very
0: feminine man you didn't say are you a lady man but that's oh, how Oh,
1: I see. Am I ladies' man? No. Okay. No.
0: Just wanted to clarify.
1: <laughs> Campsite A, don't play Dazzle. Dazzle doesn't stun or do anything. Yeah, I actually think Dazzle's pretty garbage, too. But not as garbage as Pudge. All right, let's continue. <laughs> uh, Okay, so... Imo, I-M-M-Dash-O. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. Howdy, y'all. I became a supporter yesterday and feel great. Thanks for putting out fantastic content. I think he's talking to you, Donnie. Uh the best thing that I've done for my Dota game was find Alchemy answers. Huh. That's that's interesting. That's two people who have I think said yeah, said similar that's that's interesting because so many less people watch it, but I guess we do go into like a, a very good detail about attitude and things like that. Oh, I didn't realize how much my shitty attitude was keeping me from enjoying this game. I'm not good at Dota, but I'm having so much fun right now that I can relax, and I have a few skills, thanks to you, uh, well, thank you, uh, that make me feel like I have a clue. I'm not married to MMR and just work to have fun. That said, I want to stir it up and pick crazy heroes that no one will see coming as a position five, and so my first question as a patron, what are heroes that should never be picked as a position five, and why?
0: So are you asking us to basically condone griefing your teammates? Because that's what it sounds like.
1: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you actually, I'm going to give you ones that are, because what I want to name to you initially is like Anti-Mage, Spectre. These are griefing. These are griefing. Yes. But if you pick Sniper Position 5, nobody will expect that, and that is actually not griefing. Yes. Because you can get an Ags, you get this, this stun on the ultimate, which is really annoying. You get the lowered cooldown with the cooldown reduction talent, uh, and also the cooldown reduction, I think, that comes from the Aghanim Scepter. Like, sniper support is actually very legit, and nobody's going to expect it.
0: And you can uh, kind of dominate people in the lane, which is a huge piece of playing 5 or 4. Yeah, it's, is that, it's like, not bad. If you can trade well in the laning stage, chances are you can make it work.
1: Yep, it's it's really it's really not that bad. Hence and then
0: Viper five, you
1: know? Right, Viper Five. That's another one that I think people probably won't expect in most brackets. Uh, Luna is pretty good once you get levels. The thing with that hero though is she's really garbage in the early level. She's basically just an aura. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you're like level four, your stun and nuke is a little bit better, and then your R is quite good. So yeah, Luna is is decent. Uh if you go the magic damage build. It's it's fantastic in the late game. So and nobody's nobody's gonna expect that for God's sakes. I think that's probably that's probably enough. Um you could try you could, like, Sven Weaver. five. Yeah. <laughs> Sven yeah.
0: You could Ursa five potentially.
1: Ursa five doesn't sound that bad, yeah. Chaos trade. Knight
0: five, Zeus five. These are all things that can work and have worked in the past.
1: Yep just whatever you feel like whatever whatever you enjoy playing out of those out of those weird heroes you know like i said you could anti mage you could specter but those heroes don't actually have anything that make them a subtly good five they're just garbage at five yeah uh you you would you would lose a lot it wouldn't be fun for you but those those other ones that we named would would be quite good actually yep uh, especially you would just need to learn how to how to play them see tinker five that's like that I, in my opinion, that's griefing as well. Just because <laughs> yeah. Tinker consumes so much space off the map. If that wasn't true, if if there was some build that you could do, if you could have, have an impact without stealing so much net worth, I would I would say Tinker Five is probably pretty good. Just because you can rearm. So that's that's yeah. got some pretty obvious utility for supporting. But he needs so much. He needs so much. I've considered that one as well. I've tried that, and then you just realize like, oh. If I play 5 Tinker, I'm really going to be taking space from my other heroes and somebody else is going to end up having to play 5. Right. Not not by choice. You know, it's like uh they they're just going to be forced to because they won't have any farm on the map. <laughs> so they'll have, they'll have to stand there and get nothing.
0: Yep. Agreed.
1: Uh thanks for the question. Uh Stained Chips says that always makes me so uncomfortable. Just the that that, <laughs> that name. <laughs> yeah. Uh I have a I had a friend, uh well, I mean he's still around, but I have a friend who used the name for a while, uh, sausage dipped in milk. And it's like there's there's nothing that's like overtly vulgar about that, but it just sounds vulgar. Those are the best names. So he said, Stain chips said, I theory crafted a Phantom Lancer build a couple of weeks ago uh while overseas and having some Dota withdrawals. I intended it for what are you doing overseas out of curiosity? I, I intended it for games or I need to come online quickly and the enemy team has a lot of squishy inch heroes and magic damage. The build is magic stick into Wraith bands into treads into crystalis. I think crystalis is a broken item into defusal into hood. Uh I would say if you're going late hood, you may as well just build a BKB. Like that. you you really you need to go hood first if you're going to get that item.
0: Yep. Hood is uh, hood, it, hood is like a a 12 minute and under item to yep. to use for that that sort of utility. Otherwise you just go BKB. <laughs>
1: Uh, into Morbid Mask after Crystalis Diffusal. My thinking behind the building the Crystallis before diffusal doesn't slow down my diffusal timing due to the added damage, gives great damage for teamfights, and can be built into Bloodthorn to deal with the pesky interos later in the game. Pipe and Morbid, Morbid Mask would be tankiness and sustain in team fights before I build into satanic. Uh, I tried this build for the first time today, got all the items at 19 minutes, and felt like my hero had insane damage while still feeling tanky. Ended up winning the game 10 minutes later. Do you think it could be a legit item builder that I just got lucky in this game? Okay, so I actually think the individual items that you're building are good. Uh, you're just building them in the wrong order. I think that if you're going to go hood, you need to go for a hood... Definitely before the defusal, like Crystalis Hood doesn't sound that bad just because I think Crystalis is like a ridiculous item right now. Yeah. The only problem with Crystalis is that your illusions don't get the plus damage. So, you know, that doesn't that doesn't really help with with the illusions. But Crystalis is just like a broken item right now.
0: Yeah, it's a uh, It's t- a farming item, like almost at this point. Crystallis is? Yeah, just because it gives you so much dam it's like so cheap that it gives you such a big damage boost. It's like a farming slash fighting item. I would say. Crystal is
1: Crystallis is broken. Yeah. So I actually I actually do like this build. I would say like Crystallus into Diffusal sounds good, but I think if you're gonna go hood after that, you may as well just be building it's like heart scotty, BKB, that sort of thing. Cause if you save for a hood, you know, it's like two minutes, three minutes later, you could just have a full BKB. You could just have a heart <laughs> at that point. Uh morbid mask is yeah, obviously that's that's fine. But no, I I, I think you had success with this because you're basically you basically just discovered that crystalis is a broken item, and that's what pros think as well. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's 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 fine. And my only problem is like the hood timing. Hood is an item you get like early in the game, four fights. Um because if, if you're going, like, Treads Diffusal, you're choosing not to fight anyway. And then at that, you're just taking, like, small skirmishes. And then at that point, you don't need the hood, and then you're just farming and taking small skirmishes until you get a BKB or a heart or something like that. <sighs> hood is, like, when you know you're going to have to fight, but you don't want to die to magic damage. Yep. I was, I actually, I'm actually going to make a video about this at some point. But uh, it's this idea that, like, one decision in Dota can win you the entire game. And the hood on PL, or, like, a hood on Slark, is one of those like high level decisions that I think a lot of pro players will make that wins them the game because they identify that, like, if I have a hood this game, there's literally no way that I'll die. Yep. So they go hood first. Like, that's why they go hood. And if that's not the case, if it doesn't prevent you from completely, you know, never dying, then people will just say, okay, well, I'm going to get more items then. I'm not going to go for this like abnormal item build that kind of sucks because it doesn't even do the thing that I want it to do. It's just like if that will keep you exclusively keep you alive and and make sure you're never gonna die.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that it's really just kind of the idea of abusing a power spike, where it's like we're seeing it with like this Medusa rapier build. You get rapier and you get Aegis at like twenty minutes, and then it's just too hard to kill the Medusa because there's too much damage coming out, and like she's not scared of of playing aggressively because she has the Aegis, and then the game's just over. It's fucking stupid. <laughs> it's such a stupid build.
1: <laughs> okay, so now we get to the namesake question of the video. Uh, Fuzzy says, How to assess and compare heroes that have similar niches in the same role. I can sit down and try to think about every dis- difference they have and come up with a theory on their niche and relative power level. However, the amount of variables is insane. Example, Clockwork 4 versus Spirit Breaker 4. they They're both. They have a similar niche. They're both disruptive. They're CC heroes who go in and they create chaos. Uh, Spirit Breaker is slower and tankier in the early game and has higher base damage. Charge provides a unique way of getting on top of people uh, during the early game uh, Early game ganks. Uh, later on, Spirit Breaker's big thing is probably the insane status resistance, good mobility, yada, yada. Uh, basically, he says that his gut feeling is that Clock is better positioned in the current meta, but that is as far as he goes. Is there any better approach to hero comparison? testing only gets you so far. I mean that's a good question. That's a really good question. It's So, initial thoughts, I know that a lot of pros tend to draft based on th- counters that they that they know, things that they know are are like counters to heroes. So, for example, with a certain draft, you might want a tanky disruptive Stunning Team Fighter guy, but if I am in a game where there's a Life Stealer and the Life Stealer is the enemy team's win condition, and I can pick either Clockwork or spirit Breaker, I'm gonna pick Spirit Breaker because Spirit Breaker is a Life Stealer counter mm-hmm. due to the fact that you have all of this BKB piercing disable for him and status resist, so he can't slow you. Uh, Clockwork is not particularly good versus Life Stealer because you can't you can never hook into battery assaults and he just presses his rage he can just hit the cogs and run out with his insane attack speed you know it's not it's not exactly the best example of like a counter because i don't think i think clock's okay against life Stealer. it's not the worst thing but i think you would much prefer a spirit breaker or let's say the enemy team has a nature's profit and you really think that they're this guy's a good nature's profit you look at his win rates like 70 percent, something like that or their entire draft relies on this nature's profit doing well Yes, you could go for a clockwork, uh, but also Spirit Breaker counters the nature's profit a lot harder. So it depends on it depends on what you deem as important in the draft. And then those little differences that you're that you're talking about become more and more important, depending on what the enemy team finds important or what your team finds important. For example, if you've if you have a Darkseer, then obviously Spirit Breaker is going to be a lot better because that's because that's a combo. You surge the Spirit Breaker. He gets the move speed. And yes, they do the same thing. And yes, if you are a better Clockwork than a Spirit Breaker, you'd probably pick Clock even in games where Spirit Breaker is better. Uh, but assuming you're just as good at both of those heroes, then you'd pick Spirit Breaker. If, if we're talking exclusively draft, but I would say a lot of it's just player preference. Like whatever hero yes. you, whatever hero you feel comfortable with in a certain niche, just keep just keep picking that one. Unless you really feel like playing and learning something else, it's it's totally fine. To just have Clockwork be the one disruptive hero that you're good at, and then other position fours that you play maybe are more like damage dealing, like they're you know they're Enchantress, or maybe they're more team fight heroes like Earthshaker and Enigma. That's fine. That's totally fine. If you want to just play one hero within one niche, go for it. Uh, Just make sure that you're you know you're good enough at that hero that you can justify picking it. In in like if if you really know how to play a clockwork and position and trees and stuff he's just as good against nature's profit it's just harder to play
0: <laughs> no, yeah that's all um i think that that's what really makes dota so interesting is that there is a reasonable amount of overlap between some of the heroes or between most heroes with at least one other hero or multiple other heroes in terms of what they do in the game but they all have like a different flavor like in this exa- example you're describing it super well which is that the Spearbreaker does counter the Nature's Prophet and the Clockwork counters the Nature's Prophet, but Clockwork can only, you know, he can he can provide vision to find stuff in trees with and he can D push with Rocket better. But Spearbreaker is going to actually like close the gap on the Nature's Prophet more regularly, and he's gonna do better in a game where you need more reliable BKB piercing disable, whereas Clockwork is better when you have supports that you can reliably get on top of and kill, because he has more damage. And so they do the same thing for the most part, but they also provide this extra little bit of flavor that can change in terms of how important it is based on the meta and based on the heroes that you're against. So I I completely agree that I, I think that it's really good when you're creating a hero pool to come up with heroes that do specific jobs, like the Disruptive, uh, you know, split push counter, like the team fight, like the assassin, something like that, you know, those might be three different classifications. And then if you have one or two heroes in each one of those classifications, then you have a pretty good uh toolbox to pull from, but you don't have to have every single one. You don't have to have like six heroes that are good at against split pushers. You just need yeah. one or two. And you see that even in the pros, right? Like crit, Prefers to pick a hero like Dark Willow when he needs team fight, instead of a hero like Earthshaker. A lot of the he time. plays
1: Tusk. He plays Tusk instead of Clockwork instead right. of Spirit Breaker. He's a Tusk player. Yep. You know. So same same shit. Um, okay. Fuzzy. Also, follow up question says also how much dollars or MMR do I have to play Jenkins to get him to send me his hero layouts file? I'll do it. Don't worry. I just need to Google it. <laughs> I'm just lazy. Uh, Average Peen says, Hey, Donald and Drew. Can I call you that? Yes. Well, I don't know. I guess, I guess Donnie. I guess Donnie, I can't answer for Donnie. But sure, dude. I'll just say, I'll say yes for Donnie. Uh, what are two strong laners versus a tri-lane? And if you don't want to tri-lane yourself, what is a good support as well uh, to go against them in the off lane? I know it will change depending on their three heroes, but say like Abaddon, Venno, and something else. But can you give a few examples? Okay. So so heroes that is this are an really aggressive
0: tri lane against your safe lane is that what he's asking uh it's a good question or is so, he asking if you're in if you're in the off lane against a defensive tri lane uh what is
1: a good support as well as off lane to go against them okay so this is this is off- in the off lane
0: okay so defensive tri lane
1: safe lane tri lane yeah. yeah, okay, so my first thought when it comes i love these off lane questions because. Geez, I could, I could talk about offlane all day. Uh, but my my first thought when it comes to dealing with these tri-lanes is, like, if there's any way for you to just manipulate the creeps, then you get level 2, level three first. They can't lane against you. They can't tri-lane against you anyway. Uh, so that makes, like, Clockwork, Earthshaker. These were the offlaners that people would pick way back in the day when it was 1v3 because you would just manipulate the creeps to put them right in front of your tower By blocking
0: with with cogs or or By blocking,
1: yeah. Like, what are you going to do? You Are you going to dive the clockwork? Uh, Alternatively, heroes that are good at cutting the creep wave and dragging the creep wave are good. So something like uh, axe plus some sort of support that's really good at uh, playing with the axe, which is basically any position four. You just put like an axe and an earth spirit at the tier three, and then sure, both of their supports come over, but they're stuck at level one and you're not uh and and that's 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 a way to deal with it the most important thing against a tri lane is identifying that you are up against i i don't think tri laning defensive tri laning is viable i'm just going to straight up say it i think it's not viable i think if you're a good off laner you'll you'll identify that there's a defensive tri lane coming by like scouting with vision and then uh, or you just see at the start of the lane you die because they surprise you you just go cut the next wave and then all of a sudden they can't try lane you anymore because the creep equilibrium is right in front of your tower Mm-hmm. So all you need to do, all you need to focus on is getting into, like, the cutting and dragging position, uh, which is, like, behind the Tier 2 or behind the Tier 3. And if they come and kill you while you're cutting, just drag the second wave to the third wave, and then all of a sudden there's a double wave under your tower, and you're good. So, like, I don't think, tri- I don't think defensive tri-laning is very viable these days. And anytime time you see it in a pro match, they defensive tri-lane for, like, two minutes, and then they're gone. Yeah. Unless the enemy team has an aggro tri-lane. Yep, uh, but but nobody will stay in a defensive tri lane. The four will start roaming. The four will go to the off lane. They'll just get like a morphling level three or something like that, and then they'll leave. So just cut. That's that's it. He- heroes don't really matter. Uh, but if you if you had to pick heroes, I I would pick heroes that are either good at manipulating the creeps or good at good at cutting, which I suppose is just creep manipulation. So <laughs> any heroes that can do that.
0: Right. I think it's kind of important that you mentioned nothing about fighting heroes, no undying's, nothing like this because. It's really just a riskier way of doing the same thing. Like, you don't, you don't fight trialing. Yeah, you, you just, you just don't need to. So what's the point?
1: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't.
0: Un, un, unnecessary risk that
1: accomplishes the same thing, if not worse. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
1: okay, Loyval says how to fight mid death prophet in mid game was playing tide hunter and she targets me with crypt swarm exorcism, and the cable and I'm dead. Four staff pipe just kiting her.
0: Uh, for the 35-second uh, exorcism hex. None of those things. Yeah. Uh, well. Get, get a Vlad's for armor. Get a medallion for armor and armor reduction on her. Blow her up with Gush plus medallion in your teammates. Uh, yeah,
1: there's a few ways of dealing with it.
0: Get a spirit vessel.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, vessel breaks that hero. Vessel yeah. makes that hero unplayable
0: pipe is not the item against dp at all
1: oh god no doesn't do anything she's all physical yeah yeah just just uh kiting her is fine too like you can you can get pick like a centaur and just press r when she presses r yep like ba- j- debating these like brew splits or exorcisms is fine you know in a game there might be situations where you do just say oh she popped ulti nobody's gonna catch us let's just get out fight in 35 seconds that's fine but you also don't want to not be able to kill her just because she has exorcism up so burst uh armor to survive and good god get a spirit vessel spirit vessel is the hard counter to that hero because you can just you can just blow her up even while when she has the exorcism it moves so slowly the exorcism goes they are so weak right now
0: yeah agreed Yeah. Yes, Tyler Mueller. With the new matchmaking system, you always gain thirty MMR for solo matches and twenty for party. That is correct.
1: You lose twenty for party too. Yep. Which is which is interesting. Uh, okay. Fuzzy says support Snapfire. Is it me or just does little shredder feel so fucking underwhelming? Scatter blast is solid. Hits like a truck. You can do so many cool support plays with Cookie. Ultimate would be really sick, even with half the damage. Then you use your E, and it feels meh. Yeah, it's pretty bad. They've nerfed it a lot. I, I would say Scatter Blast is, is really solid. And so is Cookie. Cookie's broken. Cookie's insane.
0: Yeah, I feel like <clears throat> Little Shredder is one of those abilities that there's really no incentive for anybody to fight you when you press it. And so you don't have any way to like guarantee the damage. So it's almost just wasting your mana most of the time. Like Only, only bad players will play into your Little Shredder consistently. So... You kind of, I think that it's one of the best tower pushing skills in the game. And I think that's kind of its main purpose.
1: It's good at killing Phoenix eggs.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's really good against undying. It's really good against Phoenix, really good against pugna. Anyone that has one of these like other objectives that you have to kill when they, when they use them, it's super good against, um... I do got to
1: say though, it, it is feeling like way more of a garbage ability than when it was first added into the game compared to the other ones. Which is natural. That's yeah. that's gonna happen when a hero's broken. Like, something's gotta get nerfed. Really, to me, she is Cookie and an ultimate. And all of the other abilities are okay. I don't know. They're pretty normal. Uh, but but the the Snapfire, like, Snapfire is mostly about her ultimate, and Cookie is cool for saving people and making, like, clutch plays mm-hmm. and stuff. But uh, that's, that's really, that's how I feel about the hero. Agreed. Pegasus says draft analysis: good options to pick as a position tree when your position four picks ogre magi. Well, you fucking click the back button. Then you press abandon. Uh, Slardar is banned. The enemy team picked Mars, and you're laning against life stealer and disruptor. So you've ogre, and you're against life stealer and disruptor. At least the the ogre can soak the disruptor things for you. Yeah. Okay, so let me let me look. Uh, so. So does he ask you what carry to pick with that? offlane what offlane yeah oh. <sighs> sorry dude all offlane questions today that's <laughs> no, fine i mean pick an offlaner
0: with a purge maybe A abaddon legion commander
1: yeah those would all be good those would all be good i, I would say like even i'm looking at like timbersaw i don't see what disruptor Life Stealer does to timbersaw at all especially if the ogre is soaking the disruptor cues mm-hmm. i think timber would destroy a lifestealer uh obviously slaughter but you said that's banned um abaddon is a lifestealer counter definitely because you could just purge all of the lifestealer spells and he's single target and abaddon prevents prevents the this any any single target Uh razor and ursa if they were better offlaners like ursa is kind of a bad hero and razor can be kind of a griefing offlaner and they can maybe kill you Uh razor would not be that bad uh, possibly but i think i don't know timber timber is really what stands out to me like timber and Slardar, and then the purgers
0: what but about any ranged hero cuz it's kind of nice to put if you have if you have an ogre as your frontliner in the offlane it's kind of nice to sometimes I recognize. was thinking
1: yeah, like maybe some viper and just kite mm-hmm. the life stealer sort of thing uh puck puck would probably be really good actually Yeah Puck would be good I would say Puck's actually broken there in that situation because Puck just needs a big meaty frontliner and Puck is a really good laner against life cuz yeah. you just you just keep whacking them and lifestealer never closes the gap on puck like how the fuck are you gonna do that's puck
0: right you just so. bloodlust your puck and all of a sudden your lifestealer is taking like beat ass yeah hundreds of damage every second
1: necrophos wouldn't be bad either actually necro's necro's pretty decent
0: yeah um,
1: not entirely sure how that matchup works these days but you got a lot of options you basically just want to counter the lifestealer Stealer. And the reason for that is because the ogre kind of functions as a disruptor counter because you can just body the disruptor. Disruptor's like a trading squishy hero. Ogre's just like, come at me, bitch. You know? So you'd be you'd be you'd be wise to counter the life stealer in that situation. Yep. Destraga <laughs> says, serious question. If my hard carry picked anti-mage, should I dodge the game? Can't remember the last time I won with with that hero on my team. Yes. <laughs> That's a fucking garbage hero. I'm also sick of having an Anti-Mage in my team, and then the enemy team Peruvian Smurf Meepo Picker picks last pick Meepo, and then Anti-Mage farms six items, and Meepo kills him solo at any point in the game. Anti-Mage is a pretty bad hero. There's a lot of really hard counters to Anti-Mage. I I think that hero is... (sighs) He's in such a weird place because there are free games for him and then there are games that are just insta losses. There's there's no in-between for Anti-Mage. It's so fucking annoying.
0: Yeah, he, he really just doesn't feel like he fits into a fighting meta at all. And it doesn't really feel like in the current meta you can just exclusively split push. Like, even the Nagas are able to fight when they get, like, Diffusal Blade and stuff. But Anti-Mage is just, like... When does he join the game? <laughs> you know?
1: Against good heroes, not really ever. Yeah. He just split pushes until win or lose. Yep. Eddie Mercury said, how was y'all's Valentine's Day? I just played Dota.
0: I don't even remember what I was doing. What day was Valentine's Day? Uh, I think the 14th, 13th. The 14th, like yeah, something like that. I don't know, it just worked. (laughs) I'm not big on,
1: I'm not huge on holidays.
0: Yeah. For
1: whatever reason. That's, it's laziness, I don't know. I'm too lazy to like celebrate holidays.
0: Thank you for asking regardless.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's very nice of you to ask. I just, you know, I hang out with my girlfriend every day, so I feel like, I feel like Valentine's Day is just a really good way to like, number one, make people who are single feel really bad about themselves, which is fucked up. And two, just a way to get people who aren't single to spend, like, a shitload of money on stuff that they don't need. That's so many
0: holidays. Yes. Like,
1: I think... I mean, I Valentine's think I, Day was
0: invented by Hallmark. There you go. So.
1: <laughs> and then, you know, that whole the whole uh, engagement ring thing is, is also... And that was invented by, like, uh, what is that diamond company? Some company. Like Zales or some shit. Some company made that. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's. Let me just say something about this, okay? This is this is like, (laughs) this is like pretty obvious stuff. So I'm not giving anybody any new information, but I can tell you, from having a YouTube channel, the amount of money that you get in December versus, I don't know, some other random month, October, is unfathomable. Yeah. (laughs) The ad revenue that you make in December is like literally three times. What it is in like October, yeah, and Ellie was working at um a place seasonally for the for the winter break, and they hired and fired like a hundred people because that's how much money they can make at just a random like department store is that they can hire and fire like a hundred people in seasonal positions just because they needed that many people to sell all the shit that they are gonna sell during the holidays right i just i I feel like. God, this is so tangential, but I moved into this place probably six, eight months ago, something like that. And I had literally nothing, no desks, no chairs, nothing like that. Cause I'd never had that before. I was at university and then I went, I lived at the Moonduck house and some other places. I never had any furniture. And within like four or five months from like thrift shops and picking up all of this garbage from like my, my family friends that like. You know, these boomers that have, like, they want to get a whole new set of furniture. So they give you your furniture. I am overrun with shit. Like, you couldn't sell any of it. But I have so many, like, desks and chairs and just random stuff. I feel like there's so much stuff. We just live in a time where everybody has so much stuff. You know? Everybody's upgrading their phones, like, every one to two years. People are, are leasing a new car every, like, two to three years. People are mortgaging a house. Even my dad, who I would consider somebody who's very, very financially savvy, moved into a house that was his dream house. He was gonna live there until he died and retired. And then within like five years wanted to move somewhere else with my with my stepmom and that and they they were mortgaging two houses at the same time. And it's like, man, you're just pushed to do that shit by by I don't know. It's just it's just normal. It's just normal to like accumulate to buy, accumulate and consume. Not that it's a bad thing, it's just that it's just that like I don't know, I don't feel bad about not doing it, I guess.
0: Yeah. I'm with Be- you just there, because man. Because how much shit there is. I'm with you there, and yet stuff still continues to show up in my house, and it's just always something else being added to the collection until we have to move and throw a bunch of other stuff away. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. It's like you're going to you're going to throw stuff out. I'm very I'm I'm at the point where like i could i could probably afford it I've never had a car before, but i could I could definitely afford a car, but I want to also save money <laughs> so like not having a car i don't feel like I need a car I feel like it's been so long that i've walked- i've just walked or like biked or whatever to get everywhere that I don't feel like I need a car you know so it's it's That's like it, it's like why why would i why would i i guess I don't know what it's like to have a car, so I don't know how I would feel about not having one. If I were, if I were to have one, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. I'm sure it would be a big improvement, but it's like, I don't know that. And I'm, I'm fine with how everything is right now. So I just, I'd rather save that money.
0: And to t- tie it back into Dota, we're all addicted to accumulating MMR and accumulating information, accumulating uh, items and and new skins for our stuff. But at its core, Dota is not about accumulating anything other than resources and knowledge about the game. And if you just have knowledge about the game, you're going to be fine whether you're on your PC or your friend's account or you're at a LAN center with no items. It's not like they make you play better. It's not like your MMR, the number, is going to make you play any better or worse than what you have the knowledge and ability it's be all
1: about you invest in yourself
0: yeah do it
1: that's all you need to do anyway uh thanks for asking how my valentine's day was eddie mercury <laughs> <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> 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 he has a follow-up question oh god uh how do you still know or how do you know what makes a good replay for replay review? Is it better if I send something when I look clueless or is it better when I send something in where I think all that i uh, I think I did all that I could and still list? Uh, I don't know what that means. I don't uh, want to submit something system. that oh still lost okay uh, right uh, I don't want to submit something that looks like I'm just trying to put a feeding SF or use the soft lane silencer on blast. Man, that's a good question. That's a really good question. I mean, Donnie coached me like two days ago, and I was struggling to find a, a replay to watch. I almost think it doesn't matter, you know? I almost think it could be any replay, and as long as you look at the right place, yep. at the right thing. I, I suppose if if I were to like put a formula on it, I would say if you could pick a replay where it's likely... That the commonly reoccurring issues are happening, then that's the best one to look at now, I don't know exactly how to find that. I guess that would just be your instinct if you think okay i I fucked this game up in the way that I mess up a lot of games. Those are the best ones because the reoccurring issues are the ones you wanna fix you wanna you wanna knock off the ones that are losing you the most games as soon as possible the biggest issues as soon as possible so whatever way that you can do that i would say just just try to like get a gut instinct go through your losses and think okay was this because somebody was feeding relentlessly or could i ha- could i have actually carried this if i if i played better yeah and do I, I lose games this way a lot
0: yeah i also think just the ones where you feel like you didn't have much impact are always pretty good candidates because I feel like unless the game is like, unless you're just counterpicked by like five heroes and somebody on your team is intentionally throwing the game, you probably can have pretty good impact. You might just have to think about the game a little differently.
1: Yeah, I agree. Hockey says on the latest prediction prediction podcast, can I just say something? I'm not, I don't understand the name what 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 is going on with them are they like sponsored by this pre-ediction thing or what like what, Ooh,
0: BSJ, what and bsj and breaky bsj what, and breaky what's
1: what's the situation there
0: uh prediction i believe is like the org
1: Okay, and, so, they're, so so combo org... combo
0: is the podcast, but they also it, have like a fighting it... game podcast that's also a prediction podcast. But okay, so name. is it?
1: It's not BSJ and Breaky's org. That no. org is just sponsoring them to make the podcast. Yes. Do you know if they get paid? Can you say they do get paid? They do. Do you know how much they get paid? Can I you tell me?
0: I don't. You... I have no idea. Why,
1: why? Why aren't we getting paid for
0: this? i don't know we make
1: like we make like 30 cents for alchemy answers no that's not true the patrons we should just find patrons really
0: hey we had we had somebody who wanted to sponsor specifically this remember did we it just never came through but yeah it was gonna be we have we have
1: the we the patrons really the the patron the community sponsors this i'm just yeah i'm just being facetious uh bsj mentioned how people who don't know how to play from behind no, if they lose the I lane, mentioned they will just... that and BSJ oh, did okay. commented on it. They will slowly farm themselves to a loss, whereas good players won't do that. What are the best strategies from playing uh, from behind in respect to different positions?
0: I think it's the oh, same, same it for right. everybody. I think it's do I not so, fight too. them. <laughs> split up the other team. And when they split up, Pick-offs, pickoffs. Pickoffs. Also, I think one thing that kind of goes overlooked to this is that it's really important to have a safe place to kind of like stage your aggression from. So one thing that I noticed, I actually, I made an entire video on this and I somehow lost it. I don't know what happened to the file, the recording, but I watched a game on PPD's stream where him and Mason, I think, were like 0-8 in the first six minutes of the laning stage. And they ended up winning the game it was like a avenge drow game from last patch and i noticed that ppd put a huge amount of focus on just like all of the wards all the sentries went to controlling their triangle he didn't try and place any across the river he didn't try and do anything in their own jungle it was just their triangle he made sure that all the entrances had wards they all had sentries, and then they just held their high ground in the triangle And then occasionally, you know, one of these super far ahead heroes would try and, like, get into that area and take some farm or find a pickoff, and they would just kill them. And they did this for, like, about 10 minutes, farming just their triangle and maybe, like, the safe lane, the dire safe lane big camp. And then slowly, after a couple of pickoffs, and they would have a little bit more space, and then they would kind of extend this area out. But trying to control the whole map when you're behind is impossible so just pick an area that seems like you guys can hold with relative ease and um just narrow narrow your focus to winning like an eighth of the map instead of trying to win the game right away
1: Uh, i would also say like split pushing is is a solid play as well Mm -hmm. just like run run down a lane (laughs) and kill the creeps um yeah I, I think like as the supports, it's definitely your job to control an area, but there needs to be somebody on the map that's actually pressuring the enemy team to split up. Otherwise, they're just going to split up because they're bad. But you need to be forcing them to split up. Yeah. So usually, you want to have some like t- like two mobile heroes in both the side lanes pushing and the enemy team's mid. Everybody else is sitting in the triangle, and you can TP to the towers nearby with those two heroes, and uh, fight if the enemy team splits up. That's kind of the ideal the ideal situation, but. The big mistake is just five men fighting the enemy team. You never, you never really want to do that. If you know that they, that they're just going to win a fight, you want to take a fight when it's on your terms. They walk up a high ground, you split push, and they split up. And then you take the fight. You think that they can't fight you at roche because you've snap fire and void, uh, faceless void, or something like that. Like you want to decide, okay, here are the here are the circumstances in which we'll fight, and just split push and and take pickoffs until those circum those you know constraints are met. Essentially. Yep. Okay, let's uh, let's see. Uh, Dat Burrito says thoughts on Jug Mid. I've seen Thompson run it a few times now, and it worked well for him. Thompson's a weird one; he's a weird case. (laughs) I tried it once and had pretty good success. The build is a Mask of Madness after some uh, stars. Don't know what that means. Uh, Then a defensive item like I assume (laughs) stats. Okay, sure. You're good at this. Uh, Defensive item like Manta. I guess more so. My question would be, what does a hero need? To be considered a good mid, depends. I, I mean, pe- some people are doing farming mids now. Like I'm seeing morphling mid, and that's fine, definitely. Jug mid sounds fine, but
0: doesn't sound good against most of the mid heroes. But
1: yeah, you you could really get punished for that, and then you should end up taking space away from your carry. That's why people pick like tempo slash early game, but also late game scaling mids such as like void spirit ember spirit because they can like take enemy space you know they're not going to take worst case on terror they can fight they can take enemy space whereas with jug i kind of feel like you have to be careful because if you get fucked up in the lane then you just are going back to your jungle and stealing farm from your carry and if your carry gets fucked up then you're going to have 200 farm carries on your team so i think it's i think it's probably decent and i think topson probably picks it, it well number one he's probably experimenting with it a bit and he's probably also picking it in games where he's identified that like Jug will have a pretty free game. Yeah. So, yeah, you're. It's. I mean, it's depending on when you pick it. It's probably fine. I don't think it's that. I don't think it's like particularly bad. But I would definitely say most games like Ember and Void Spirit and those sorts of heroes are going to be better.
0: Yep. Yeah. I mean, if if you're going to pick Jug mid, it's not to be a rotator, right? Like that's not what the hero does. So you're not going to play it like a Puck or a Void Spirit or an Ember. You're going to play it. Like a farming mid, and you're just going to like shove the wave out, maybe take their tower if they have a rotating mid. And other than that, you're just going to play probably a standard Juggernaut game, because that's kind of what the hero does. He does one thing well, which is to not die while split-pushing and farming aggressively.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Related question, Jenkins, who do you use in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate? I play Little Mac. Okay, moving on. Uh, let's see. Leonard says very specific question. You mentioned about Hood situationally being a good first item here. Can this be own position one Specter? Yes, I think Hood is fine on Specter. First item, like Soul Ring, face Boots. Hood is fine if you're against some like Zeus Tinker sort of bullshit. Sure. Okay. Boda says question: What's a good way to learn itemization intuitively beyond looking at pro builds, watching videos, and just thinking thinking about it? Uh, I feel like whenever I watch a Vod review on Game Leap or your channel, you guys are always appalled at their builds. I know some builds. See, the the problem with these like low low rated games is people just do the build. They just follow the same build every time and they're not following the reasoning yes. behind doing like a pro build. Yes. That's the issue. Like yes.
0: And not only that, but they always opt for the offensive items first well, yeah, in, in, of in every situation so you know i
1: uh i had a game the other day where i was playing void spirit and the enemy team had puck and they had life stealer and the way every fight was happening was that the enemy team was going on me i was running in causing chaos and uh it was kind of working but uh i felt like the whole game would be fine if I could do that, go in and make space. And if I didn't die, we were going to win. So instead of building like an orchid or some item like that, where most people are going for that on Void Spirit, I went for a Heaven's Halberd because the enemy team, they had a, uh, they had Life Stealer, which I, know, I knew I could Halberd him. And then also he was going to hit me in the evasion. He didn't have an MKB and he wasn't going one anytime soon. So I knew that I would protect myself from the lifestealer right clicks with that. But also, because of the status resistance, I would protect myself in the HP. I would protect myself from the puck coil. I could just walk out of the coil and have it break, and I would be fine. And the status resist would protect me from that. Originally, I was thinking of going uh, Sanjinkaya, because it's like, well, I'm Void Spirit. Int hero, damage dealing hero. But guess what? I didn't need to do any damage in that game. That was absolutely not my... I mean, the hero's good at doing damage, but it was totally unnecessary. So instead of going for a stupid build like that, Sanj and Kaya, which I think would be borderline griefing, I went for a Halberd, and for God's sakes, I felt immortal. And as soon as I bought it, the game felt insanely easy. And Ellie was watching, and uh, she said something like, you know, I was like doing cool shit. And uh, I was basically like, this game is not won because my mechanics are good or anything like that. That doesn't matter. The reason that we're winning this game is because I decided to build a halberd. That's that's it. That's literally it. That was the piece to the puzzle that made it so that they couldn't fight us anymore. With how the, all the fights were going and how they were trying to fight. If I could just run in and Nakes and Puck were the ones that were able to kill me. The other heroes couldn't do shit to me. And the halberd, it dealt both with both of those. Even though it's not a normal void spirit item. And uh, like I said, I could have gone for some like orchid. Or, or Crystalis, or something like that, because that's what Topson does, that's what people do. But, that and that's the thing, is that, like, I'm not Topson, I'm not Ana, or something like that. So these decisions, these really game-winning decisions, I don't make them every game. I wish I did, but I don't. But in that particular game, it felt so fucking good. It felt unlosable, because mm-hmm. because that item made me borderline immortal to the way that they were killing me. And I don't remember what the original question was. <laughs> okay, itemization. <laughs> those are the item choices that you want to look for that's why hood on specter might be good if it's like okay the only way that they shut the specter down is by killing the specter with magic damage they don't hit towers very well so if we just get something to protect the specter from magic damage we are going to go late we go late game with a the specter they have a tinker our specter comes a tinker we win the game so that's why you would go Hood on specter and that's why you wouldn't go for some diffusal radiance or whatever build because in this situation, you want to look for the item builds where the it fucks up the way the enemy team wants to win the game or it makes it like basically impossible for them for them to win the game
0: mm-hmm yeah i uh I'm trying to find i thought I made a video about itemization fairly recently uh I don't know where it is, maybe it was a proprietary piece of content for somebody else, but it was essentially like itemization theory and why you're dying so much and losing games. Cause you're just dead a lot. And I kind of came up with like an acronym, which was basically you start off by buying stats because that's always good. And then you buy the item that allows you to be unkillable if you need it. And then you can buy damage because I think everybody gets it backwards. I think that like, if you just buy a bunch of damage, then you're going to have impact. But in fact, if you can get off several rounds of spells every fight, that's the impact. And so all you need to do is survive most of the time, and you're going to have much more impact than if you just have like a one-shot build but also die instantly if you get caught. It's kind of like right. going back to the ease of execution thing that you were talking about much earlier. And we, we, People talk about this in pro games all the time where they're analyzing the draft, and it's like, oh, this team won just because their draft was way easier to play. Like, just make the game easy for yourself, and you will gain a lot of MMR, and the easiest way to make the game easy for yourself is to make it so it's hard to die, because dying is really fucking easy in Dota, but it doesn't have to be. You can just make it so you're hard to kill, and then you have so many more options, right? Yeah.
1: Yep, I agree. Depends on what your job is in the game. You just gotta think about your job, not just do the same shit every game. Uh, Hockey Leaner says, name your list of the most impactful laning rotating supports to go gank for kills. Uh, Earth Spirit? Position 5s, I think he's he's thinking oh. about. Okay. Uh, Nature's Prophet, that's kind of the only position 5 that I can think of. Most position 5s just sit in the lane, dude. Yeah. Sad, to, sad hate to... Hate to break it to you. Uh, if you're playing position 4, then it's almost every position 4. Like, you know, Clockwork, uh, Earth Spirit. Yeah, Earth Spirit's fantastic.
0: Um, yeah, I think that as a five, your job is to secure the lane, and then you want your, your first rotation to be to claim a tower most of the time. So heroes that can help you take towers, I think, are really good. So like the Venge, Ventral Spirit is reasonably good at that because you have the aura to amp up your team. A hero like Undying is pretty good at that because you can come up and just like drop the tombstone in their trees, and your team just takes a free tower. A hero like uh you know chen abaddon enchantress these heroes that have like creeps that can tank for the tower or heal their team sustain their team that kind of stuff Um, uh, but if you're looking for kills as a five you're probably playing the wrong role
1: i know he does play some position four so
0: yeah if you uh yeah
1: position four i highly recommend earth spirit right now -hmm. Justraga says, what's the movement as a support when you have a hero cutting the lane? LC or Axe, for example, heroes I can't catch. Uh try to kill them at level one once they have levels and you're still level one. You can't do anything unless you have somebody else rotate. So go do something else. Go stack, go fuck with the off lane, go help mid. Do something else. If if they're if they're cutting the wave, then your carry is free farming as well. The worst thing that you can do is sit in that lane and just be level one doing nothing or soak from your carry. Because if they're cutting, they're getting every single creep, but so, are, so is your carry. So it's an even trade. That's the thing. But then you can go do something else. That's that's basically it. Level 1, fuck with them. After level 1, either you kill them with multiple heroes or you go somewhere else.
0: Yep. Drop a ward so your carry can see what's going on if you do leave the lane.
1: Yeah. Moise, I think you asked this question last week. Is taking a break, coming back to, uh, fresh, a good way to play Dodor, practicing skills, and playing two games a day and keeping up with the meta, the way to go. How does Ana do it? Yeah, you asked this question the other week.
0: <laughs> and we answered it, too.
1: It's the exact question. <laughs> what the hell, boys? Uh, yeah, both are good. Both are good. I think just make whatever it takes to keep your mind in a productive state, as well as uh, not losing your Dota knowledge. So you can take breaks. And grind or you can practice two games a day and keep up with the meta i, I think that's i think that's all that's all fine just as whatever it's very individual I've, I've looked up a lot on this sort of subject
0: recently i guess i would say that if you have the self-control to only keep it to two games i i assume the context for this question is you feel like you need a break but you're also feeling like if you do take a break you're gonna fall super far behind on the meta and so In that context, it comes down to self-control. Because it sounds like you're in a negative downward spiral. And if you can keep it to two games a day, where you're not going to lose too much MMR and get even more depressed and start binge-queuing, then sure, that seems fine. But if you feel like you don't have the self-control to not binge-queue every time that you play two games and it becomes you know, bad two games, then just take a full-on break.
1: Yep, agreed. How Jenny I stop Death?
0: playing Dota? Uninstall that shit, bro. I
1: read, I read that question. I, I ignored it. Uh, <laughs> been a while since I played solo queue, says Jenny Death, was originally 4.5k MMR for the past year. I've been pretty much exclusively playing in five stacks with friends who are casual players. My play has become to be incredibly lazy, and now that I'm queuing up again, I've dropped almost 1k MMR. Any tips on being able to play with uh, lower MMR friends without creating bad habits? Oof. Yeah, I actually do have some tips for you because I've done this uh, quite a bit I have to play with Donnie Sometimes no, I'm just kidding, uh, we but never I, I play do. Together, stop playing. We actually we never. I mean, we both just solo queue all day and eat every day. So, yeah. Uh, but but when I do occasionally play with play with friends, I will pick th- roles that I'm not comfortable with because it's really hard to build bad habits if you're just not good at the role in the first place. I will uh, play heroes that are re- like really weird heroes, like Life Stealer offlane or some shit like that because. It's like, it's going to be a weird game regardless, you know, because it's not the, the uh, bracket that you're used to. Yep. So you can just pick, basically pick weird shit and just have fun with them. And uh, don't like, make sure that you're playing games in your bracket as well. Like take, you know, 50, 50 or whatever, like really focus for, I would even, I might even recommend like, uh, this is going to sound so horrible, but you know if you don't listen to music while you're playing solo queue on in your 4.5k games, then listen to music when you're playing with your friends. If like change the environment, change the atmosphere so that it's more casual and that you're, you're not, that you're like, yeah, that's actually put yourself into autopilot, essentially. That's a really good, of.
0: yeah, I, I I actually like that advice a lot. Because, you know, if you work from home, like you and I do, it's very easy to kind of just fall into this trap of like every second that you're not engaged with like you know your girlfriend or whatever you can just kind of slip back into like oh and i'm working now you just go sit at your computer and, and like do work or whatever but a lot of it's like not very productive work but it's just accessible to you and so i've been finding that it's really important to have like a strict cut off where it's like i am now no longer working and then i'm doing other stuff And I think the same is true for Dota. It's like, I am having fun, and maybe the best way to do that is to just, like, fully meme. Because otherwise it could be just, like, this insidious kind of creep of, like, lazy, terrible habits. Because you're still, like, kind of try-harding, but your teammates are not as good. And you're not really taking it that seriously, but you're kind of, like, lying to yourself that you're still trying to carry the game, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 my advice. Play Drunk or Stoned with friends.
0: There you go. <laughs>
1: that's what I'm trying to say. Anyway, that's it. We're uh, we're done. This has been a long one.
0: It has been. Yeah. Uh, Good luck
1: in your games, everyone.
0: Yeah. Is this VOD getting uploaded? It's just saved on the channel. Free to watch. So, yes, Fox Senpai, you can watch it after it's over. Audio will be uploaded soon as well if you don't have the bandwidth to watch a video or you want to do it on the go uh, thank you to our patrons for tuning in and thank you to everyone for your continued support of Dota alchemy we love you guys and we'll see you soon